For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Street Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. Who punishes the Punisher? Absolutely frickin' no one. That's right, today we're covering Punisher War Journal Issue 1 from the 2006 series that went ahead and paved the way for so much blood and violence to come later throughout the Marvel Universe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all back to the Second Print Comics Podcast. I am the rambunctious, remarkable Remsa W. Martinez, here with the miraculous Mr. Mark Clare. Mark, how's life? Miraculous. Life is miraculous, Remzo. I think you summed it up. I was kind of hoping to be marvelous this week, but I'll take miraculous. Miraculous is actually better. Miracles. I see miracles everywhere I go, Remzo. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I don't know when I became this evangelist, but here we are. Well, you're, you're so optimistic, and uh, so is Frank Castle at the beginning of this series. Before we get into it, Mark, uh, any, any house notes? I'm ready to jump into this story. I don't think we've got... Oh, no, I'm wrong. We always have stuff going on. Folks, before we get started, please, <laughs> why are you not subscribed on Patreon at patreon.com slash secondprintpod? You know, every week you get awesome shit. Like all the time, you got Remso rants. You have Mark's tales from the fuck it pile. You get reviews of shows like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, the other one, Loki. Yeah, how can <laughs> I forget Loki? And upcoming uh, very soon, within a couple of weeks, we've got What If returning with Caleb Franz. So, I mean, if you want that and you're just thinking, well, can I get even more? You can get even more because, Mark, you and I just went ahead and recorded a segment for our Kirby Club episode, which comes out every couple months. You want to go ahead and explain that i would love to explain that remzo uh the kirby club is our very exclusive patreon level uh at 40 dollars a month a measly 40 dollars a month you get everything at all the previous levels including uh trade paperbacks graphic novels hardcovers that we send you every three months as part of the epic crossover level you also get on, to hop on monthly calls with myself and remzo and a bunch of other patrons uh but at this level, this very exclusive Kirby Club level, every three months or so, depending on if eventually we'll get more of a, a queue in there and it might be a little more of a wait, but you get to produce an episode of this very podcast. Three months ago, my good friend Eric, who's actually the person who got me into comics, uh, hopped on and had us review the Phoenix Saga, where we first saw the debut of the Phoenix Force inside the body of Dream Gray, or is it? Well, we'll find out because he's having us review the follow-up to that story, the Dark Phoenix Saga. And I'm pretty excited about that one. I'm still reeling from the leprechauns from the last story. <laughs> I hope the leprechauns reviewed. return. I, I mean, I know they don't, but I mean, they do eventually from what I understand in some books, but everything works in cycles. I'll track them down someday. The leprechauns are, are one of the, even though I didn't review that story highly, as we discussed with Eric, the leprechauns will always maintain a place in my heart. Everything has a high point, even amongst the low points. But folks, that's it for as little as $5 a month and everything else. Patreon.com slash secondprintpod and check out even more content over at secondprintcomics.com. Enough shilling. There's never enough shilling, but we can move on. There's never enough shilling. 
Uh, on to the punishing, as I mentioned. Uh, this is, you know, we, we, we try and keep things diverse amongst the titles, amongst the genres, amongst the punish. Uh, uh, I was about to say punishers. Amongst the punishers. Uh, amongst the punishers, amongst the publishers. I'm really excited that today we finally get to cover a Punisher story. I have always loved the Punisher. My favorite Punisher is actually, in fact, Ray Stevenson from Punisher Warzone that came out in theaters in around 2007. And it seems like I'm the only person that ever went to go see that movie i had no but, idea uh, that existed oh my gosh have you seen judge Dredd? i've of course i've seen judge Dredd. come on no the one of carl urban wait there's a second i'm not talking you never so you're talking about the one of sylvester stallone yeah it's called it's the only judge Dredd that matters no there was no. another there was a remake there was, of a, judge there was one of there was one of carl urban from star trek and I the boys no I'm not saying the trailers for these films, but anyway, okay. Judge Dredd and Punisher Warzone are probably one of some of the most underappreciated comic book films ever. But uh, needless to say, I've always been a fan of the Punisher. I've always liked the fact that he fits in this really uh, strange corner of the Marvel Universe where he jumps between anti-hero and sometimes just straight up vigilante who will shoot Spider-Man in the face if he has to. Um, he's come under a lot of cultural attacks recently, whether, you know, it's it's the you know the gun argument or the police argument or all these other things i've you know i've got my own opinions but i stay out of it because at the end of the day he's a freaking comic book character in a fictional world where big giants from outer space come to eat people and they're shapeshifters and things called mutants running around causing mayhem where hundred year old men hunt interdimensional beings and uh take out entire alien races uh i'm sorry i'm getting i'm getting all back into the the leprechauns mark leprechauns Leprechauns. there you go that's better that's a happier memory but that's uh you know that that's what went ahead and uh you know, inspired part of today's episode. We've been covering a lot of fantastic otherworldly stuff recently, and I wanted to bring us down back to the hard and the gritty street level. Mark, what is your history of the Punisher? Well, Punisher is one of those characters that I've always thought he was really cool whenever he showed up in another book or in a crossover or in a big event, but he's, it's not a book I ever collected. I don't think I ever actually purchased a single issue of a Punisher comic. He's just a character I know from appearing in everywhere he happens to appear. So uh, it was, I can actually say this is probably the first Punisher proper book that I've actually sat down and taken the time to read. And if that, if that might shock you, but. It is the case. Well, I mean, I'm 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 in much of the same way. I've collected the Punisher off and on over the years. I'm actually a big fan, and I'm about to really get into some niche nerd stuff. Do you remember the 2099 line from Marvel? I don't just remember it. I collected almost all of it when it first came out. My favorite 2099 book from that series, which takes place in a history that's whether it's canon or an alternate universe, who the hell knows, but it's awesome. It's in the future. Um, other than Spider-Man with Miguel O'Hara was 29 was Punisher 2099, where it was basically just regular Punisher, but with lasers and robots and shit and even cooler. But, um, I collected that like years and years later, like when I was off in college, but, um, you know, growing up, I, I always felt like some of the comic, some of the Punisher comics that came out when I was younger were just like, it was like gore porn, to a large degree, it was like, you know, as much as I like that stuff, like sometimes I would look at it and I'm like, you know, this is maybe just a bit too much. But Punisher Warzone um, is my favorite. I'm sorry, Punisher War Journal, not Warzone, the movie Punisher War Journal uh, is probably my favorite Punisher series because it showed him go between Civil War, World War Hulk, Secret Invasion, the death of Captain America, all this stuff. Um, so it was really integrating him back as a key part of the Marvel Universe, but it also just had really good 
storytelling, the artwork throughout, had about three, four artists, was a lot of fun. I feel like this was the highest point of the Punisher comics, and it's shown in um, you know in, in sales. It's probably the number one monthly selling Punisher book that Marvel has ever published. So you know this this one always has kind of a soft spot with me. You know what my favorite twenty ninety nine book was? What? Doom twenty ninety nine. I, I like that one. I never thought I would be that into a Doom book. Doctor Doom has had some books on and off, but you know, I think it's something about that twenty ninety nine genre where it's like, you know what, let's just get ridiculous and they certainly did get ridiculous of that one. But in all the right ways. They, yeah, they got super ridiculous. And look, I, I read this when I was whatever I was, 13, 14, 15. So uh, I have not gone back to it since then. So I'm actually making a mental note right now. At some future episode, we will look at Doom 2099 because part of what I enjoy about this show, there are many aspects that I enjoy, of course, the shilling being a big one. Uh, what I really enjoy is going back to stories that I have read, but that I have not read since I was somewhere in that 13 to 15 to 16 range and seeing how it holds up. Some of them hold up amazingly well. Some of them, I don't know what I was even thinking. So it'll be fun to find out live. Absolutely. And folks, if you want a taste of the second print comics talking about 2099, I did a uh, Remso rant about uh, four or five months ago covering my reaction to Ravage 2099 issue one. And if you want like the fullest flavor of a 2099 book from Marvel during the 90s, that is probably probably the, the 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 harshest flavor you're going to get in all the all the right and all the wrong ways so without further ado we're jumping into punisher war journal uh the first couple of issues uh one through four and what you need to know is that this book is already starting in kind of an awkward position because the first three issues of this are civil war crossovers uh we've talked about Civil War a little bit in the past. We covered the reaction to the death of Captain America and some books that took place after Civil War that directly referenced it. But for those of you that are brand new who don't know what Marvel Civil War was, it was not like Captain America Civil War, the movie. Basically, some teenage heroes called the New Mutants go ahead and fight a group of baddies in a town in uh, New Hampshire. And long story short, because they're just not great at being superheroes and catching bad guys, one of the bad guys called Nitro accidentally blows up the entire town. No, it was New Haven, Connecticut. That was it. New Haven, Stanford. Connecticut, not New Hampshire. Stanford. Stanford. They, reference Stanford. They, reference, they have like a vigil. For yes. This one, yeah. And Stanford, Connecticut is where I had my very first job in the television industry for where I spent about two years. What was it like seeing it blow up in the comics? It looks a lot, it looked a lot like regular Stanford looks <laughs> without explosions. Well, that got meta yeah. real no, fast. Stanford's actually, it's, I don't know. There's nothing really to say about the city. It's just a place. I, have, I actually have nothing good or bad to say about it. It's just there. No wonder Marvel blew it up. Well, anyway... Teenage superheroes cause supervillain to blow up town. Lots of people die. Superheroes are already pissing off the general public and the government is like, you've got to register and go through training and be authorized to be a hero or else you're going to jail. So Iron Man, a bunch of heroes take the pro registration side. Captain America goes rogue with a bunch of other heroes and go with the anti-registration side and a lot of violence ensues. So that is where we leave off with that uh to kind of give you an understand what was going on with the punisher the punisher had murdered a guy named barracuda and some other people like a lot of people and eventually he was caught and he was sent to a supermax prison that was in the previous punisher series before this which i had the joy of mailing out uh the punisher uh welcome back frank hardcover graphic novel to one of our patrons i'm just gonna jump in and ask this question now is that prison is that the raft that they refer to in this yes 
Okay, because they, they referred to the raft several times here, and I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but I eventually figured out it was maybe some kind of prison, and there you go. So I'm answering that question before it even before you have the chance to ask it at home, folks. Yeah, but if you were that pa- if you were that lucky patron who I who I sent out the Punisher Welcome Back Frank graphic novel to, you're super prepared for this story. I, I do want to note that this is written, which I didn't know until I opened the very first uh, uh, issue uh, earlier today, right when I was prepping for the show. Written by Matt Fraction, who uh, many will know as as writing the greatest run of all time of the Hawkeye character, uh, the story of which is being, uh, in some ways at least from what I understand, adapted for the Hawkeye TV series coming soon to Disney Plus. Recaps of which are coming soon, of course, too. I don't even need to say, you know where you know where to get it. We need to stop shilling it. We need to start <laughs> punishing. I didn't say it. I just alluded to it. <laughs> Oh, you are right. Fraction did do this, yeah. 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 What do you think I was making it yeah. up? You think I'm tossing bad info? Well, well, I, well, well, it's like I, I, I glanced, but I didn't really think about it. You know, I care. I care who the artists and writers are are on these books. I want them to get the recognition they deserve, or in some cases, the bashing and slamming that they deserve. As frankly, Jason, Jason Aaron did for the way that original sin unfolded last uh, last episode. <laughs> JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams. And son. Oh my gosh, the kid. What was his name? Max? Stevie? I don't even know. We're never gonna. F- I don't even want to know. Ah, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting triggered. Little fucker. Did he write anything else after that? I need to stop. No, okay. I, I did we're at a mosque. We're at, <laughs> we're at a mosque. We're at a mosque and we see a guy praying. And this guy comes in and he says, GW Bridge, your country needs you. And it's uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent uh, Oliver Sitwell. He's coming to recruit this guy because this guy has experience going after certain vigilantes, such as our favorite vigilante, the Punisher. So Sitwell is recruiting him during this time where of all the people that they have to deal with right now, especially during the superhuman civil war, they're going after the one with the highest body count. Before we get into this, because this is about to get spiraled in and you know in and around all over the place mark do you consider the punisher a hero or a like a anti-hero vigilante i mean he's definitely not a straightforward hero i i think that would be hard to make that argument even if he's only going after quote-unquote bad guys which he primarily actually he only does actually he's actually very strict about that rule uh but he does make himself the judge jury and executioner uh of that morality ruling so i i certainly can't call him a hero he would definitely have to fit into the anti-hero category but he's not really a villain either so yeah i guess that's what puts him as anti-hero yeah i i i'm always like it having that argument between myself it's like if there was a punisher in the real life what would i think and i would probably be scared shitless this is what remzo does alone at night he has conversations stare, with himself the about, ceiling. about the punisher <laughs> my, my fiance's probably like but he's thinking about other women and i'm like what would the punisher really be like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like it's, it's like that that meme where the, the chick is thinking, what is it? Th- oh, I know. I bet he's thinking about other girls and he's just thinking, whatever, fill in the nerdy thing here <laughs> for you. It's, is the Punisher a hero or an antihero? Hmm. Would I be, would I be cool with it? Maybe, maybe not. Could we be roommates? Maybe. You would never have to worry about somebody breaking into your place again. No, but you got to be careful which peanut butter jar you go into because you do not want to pick the wrong one when you're living with, when you're living with Frank Castle. Trust me. Uh, yeah, take it back. Uh, 
anyway, though, so Frank's been on the run for a while, and it's a really weird time to be back in the Marvel Universe, especially during the Civil War. Uh, he's in a van, which he's calling his Punisher Mobile Armory, and uh, he, he complains because we get to actually read his inner monologue that he's running on MasterCard, no sleep, and he's been trying to keep a low profile but continue to do his thing, and he's shooting pedophiles in the face instead of going after big crime lords. But speaking of pedophile crime lords, he's stalking this one guy in um, Little Italy uh, in New York. And, you know, he's stalking him and you can see him just staring out the window, squatting in like his pedophile van type of thing. Like it's a pedophile van. Like, let's let's call it. And he's shooting pedophiles in the face. So it's it's appropriate. Um, So anyway. We see this this guy. He's basically swung some type of deal with his lawyers and the DA and everything. So he's about to go scot free, but not too scot free because the Punisher is um, is is stalking him. But just as he's about to probably go out and start causing all types of violence and mayhem, we see this giant metal tentacle like thing like shoot through a car and the Punisher is like, what the hell is going on? He jumps out right as another one of those things is about to go through the van. And that's when he looks up and he sees, um, stilt man. Do you know who stilt man is? Stilt man, stilt man, stilt man, stilt man. I was shocked. And, uh, I laughed my ass off when, when that was stilt man, because when I was reading this and I saw that like metal, thing come in i immediately thought oh it's doc ock and then i turned because the page that would and, be cool because that would be awesome and then i turned the page and it's fucking stilt man which was actually awesome too just in a different way yeah uh stilt man is a b-list daredevil villain who's never been really good at being a villain but stilt man is here and you see much like actual police he can cause property damage and get away with it because he's no longer a villain now he is a newly registered hero who's working for the government so he's out here actually going after this guy because he's, um, you know, he's a felon and I guess the deal didn't go through and it's time to get arrested. But you see, the Punisher doesn't like that. And he's about to have a few words to say. So Stiltman is going around, you know, causing more property destruction because he, he can legally do it now. The taxpayers are paying for it. And um you know, this 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 like fat pedophile mafioso is like begging for his life. And, you know, stilt man is like, you're under arrest. And my therapist was right. It feels good to do good. So we can tell that this stilt man is really a reform stilt man. He's actually he doing good. He does seem to be, Pro- you know, other than the private property destruction. I mean, yeah, he destroyed Punisher's pedo van. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crime and a crime uh, that he will soon pay for. You mean the taxpayers will pay for the taxpayers as well as Stiltman. Oh yeah. Those one. Yeah. So anyway, Stiltman is, uh, you know, getting ready to arrest this, this pedophile criminal guy when suddenly the Punisher with a shotgun right behind him or, or something else that looks that I don't know what that weapon is, but it looks fucking cool. He walks over and he's like, Hey, Stiltman and Stiltman freaks out. And he like shoots up through the ceiling. And, uh, as he comes out, uh, he has like machine guns on his gauntlets, which I, I don't remember him having in like the daredevil comics. So I'll gotta say, not only is he a hero now, which I guess gives him some cool points, but now he's, now he's got like machine gun gauntlets and he's still Stiltman. That's pretty awesome. Stiltman 2099. He's come from the future. <laughs> but anyway, Stiltman actually wants to be good. And we could continue to see that because he's like, I've got no beef with you, Punisher. We're on the same side. Isn't this how team ups always happen the good guy fights first then the good guys fight first and then unite against a common foe stilt man the punisher what a team 
And the Punisher's just not not in the mood to do much. So that gun, actually, that he was holding earlier is not a gun. It's a rocket launcher. So he shoots it, and Saltman is like, careful, Punisher. You could seriously... We turn the page... And we see that the Punisher has shot Stiltman with a rocket in the dick. He blew his crotch open and separated his stilt legs from his body. And boy, this does not look good for Stiltman. Did you imagine that was going to happen in the first couple pages? I I mean, it's a Punisher (laughs) book, so I'm expecting some kind of violence. But this this horrific death of, of Stiltman... Uh, has Stiltman appeared since then? This did kind of shock me. He has, but we don't know if it was really him or not, or if it was somebody else. But I want to pretend that the deaths that we see matter. I want to pretend that. We know that one of them does, sort of, even though the character comes back, but we'll, we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he shot off his legs and his dick and everything. So Stiltman is like, I, I, I know this sounds unbelievable, but I, I can't feel my legs. I mean, my, my legs, come on, man. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't gotta be partners. It's okay. I surrender. So the Punisher pulls out a Colt 1911 and he's like, I don't. I like how specific you got with the, the kind of gun. That's impressive. I know that one. Uh, he pulls it out and he shoots Stiltman in the fucking face. Man. I want fucking around. I kind of felt bad for Stiltman here because I was I was enjoying. Stiltman did not. Stiltman did not deserve to die this way. (laughs) I guess Stiltman did technically shoot at him first, you know, because Frank just kind of showed up behind him, and then Stiltman freaked out, started going nuts and shooting at him. So you could sort of say that initial shot that blew up his dick was self defense, but you cannot make that argument for this ensuing gunshot to the face. No, no, but it's okay. If you think he's just killing stilt, man, it's okay. The pedophile tries running away, but the punisher goes ahead and shoots him a couple times too. So we go back over to GW bridge and he's that has re- to be a, uh, like a reference to George W. Bush, right? I think so because he's the, he's the big super cop, but he's also Muslim. So it might be a joke. On, on George Bush's ex- expense. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's, it's some kind of meta joke that I don't fully get, but it has to be of some kind. Yeah. We'll ask Matt Fraction whenever we interview him. One day. Was this a character? Do you know if this day. is a character that was around before? I'm not familiar with the character. GW Bridge is like, he's existed in the Marvel Universe, but this is his first proper introduction. His, his full name is George Washington. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> George Washington <laughs> Bridge. Do you want to know what I just did? I will what just tell everybody do? what I just did. Sometimes during the show, I do live research. You know, if, I, if, we, if a question comes up, we don't know the answer. While you keep talking, I will just quickly do my Google skills and find it. And I, I typed in GW Bridge and I saw the, the, the Pedia article come up. I thought it was like Comicspedia and I started reading it and I immediately said, oh, oh, his full name is George Washington Bridge. And then I realized, <laughs> I, then I realized I was reading the Wikipedia for the George Washington Bridge in New York City. So his name is not George Washington Bridge. I'll have to learn more about. Okay, it's the next one down. GW Bridge is a fictional character appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. He is a former mercenary and high-ranking S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Publication history. He first appeared at X-Force number one. Wow. He was created by Fabian Nicieza and our friend Rob Liefeld. I call him our friend because you have had several DM conversations with him about your comic book. that Because I wanted the shit I bought. Exactly. So (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, he's a friend of the show, whether he knows it or not. He's taking enough of my money. Yeah, he's an X Force guy. That seems he, apparently. What well, it it works here. Oh well, it guess works what? Here. His name actually is George Washington Bridge. Wow. So I was right, even though I was reading the wrong Wikipedia. 
It all loops together. So anyway, uh, Bridge is reading an issue of the Daily Bugle where they're asking whether or not the Punisher is, you know, an everyman, a patriot. And, uh, you know, Washington Bridge, Mr. George Washington Bridge is just he's not really having it. He's like, you know, this is this, this is ridiculous. I can't believe people are doing this. So um, you look around and they're actually at the scene of where they think they found where the Punisher is hiding. And what they do is they walk over and they see that the Punisher has basically been running around in the sewers and they're they're pretty much close on his tail. Because, you know, when you when you shoot off Stiltman's dick, you you tend to get attention. So you got all these shield agents of all their, you know, night vision goggles and shit. And they're walking around the sewer. But just like Rambo, um, Frank Castle enjoys dark places that, you know, it's hard to get around. So um, he just basically ends up beating the living shit out of the shield agents. He doesn't even have any weapons. He's beating the crap out of them with his bare freaking hands. And then what he does is he goes ahead and he takes all their weapons. So as GW Bridge is getting this report about what happened to all the shield agents, they, they, they went ahead and sent after Frank. He's just, you know, pissed off as all hell and he's going he over does to not kill him there because he does not go after allies as, as he will state later. So he did not, he not, did not consider silt man an ally apparently. Exactly. So now we go ahead and we go to this bar where we see, uh, you know, a bunch of dudes that, you know, or seem, seem to be celebrating some of the stuff that's been going on in the world recently. And we zoom in on the tinker. Uh, if you remember the tinker was at the root of secret war. That's the last time we saw him in Marvel comics. And at the time he was creating weapons for, uh, Lucia von Bardis, who was the president of Latveria. You can go back and listen to episode two of second print comics to go ahead and figure out what was going on with the tinker then. So this is the first time we've seen him in a while. This is actually the vigil. It's not the bar. The bar scene comes later. This is the vigil for the, the, Stanford victims, I believe. Oh, right. Um, so basically, oh yeah, and it, it it goes right in. So he was at this vigil, and as he walks over into his car, he knows that the Punisher is basically sitting right behind him. And at this point, um, you know, he's not gonna use any gadgets, he's not gonna try and have like a fight with the Punisher. He's just he's just fucking done. And the Punisher's like, What's going on, man? And basically his son was one of the victims of the Stanford bombing. So at this point, um, he's just, you know, he, he's depressed as all hell. And he's even more depressed because apparently the Tinker, who was arming terrorists a few years ago, had also um, basically agreed to start doing good. He actually had kitted up Stiltman, who was his friend and who wanted to turn over to leave. And uh, now Stiltman is dead. Deal too. For the they, they try to <laughs> turn their life around and they just get they just get their dick shot off and they get stabbed in the spine. This is, this is yeah. rough. But at this point, you know, he's he's giving the Punisher more information because he's like, you know, I wasn't working alone. I was working with a guy called uh, Stuart Clark. And he you know, you might know him. He was a guy called Rampage. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But basically, you know, the Tinker is just got to go ahead and tell him everything he wants. And he's like, you know, kill me if you want, Frank. I don't really care anymore. Uh, but, you know. Uh, Frank has a way of getting the job done without giving the villains the full satisfaction when they want to die. So what he does is he stabs him through his car, through his seat in his car, and he doesn't kill him, but he leaves him paralyzed, which is way fucking worse than killing him at this point because the man wanted to die. Now he's gone just be fucking paralyzed so now he's going after the Stuart clark guy who is now arming all these other villains as the heir apparent to the tinker 
Remzo, what can you tell me about Stuart Clark, a.k.a. Rampage? Rampage was originally a uh, villain who appeared in the Champions comic from the 70s, in which Hercules, Ghost Rider, Black Widow, and Angel formed their own like predecessor to the West Coast Avengers and stuff like that. And Rampage was basically, think of Tony Stark, but if he was like the Bill Gates to, um, you know, to tip if he was like the bill gates to uh who, who's apple guy apple guy steve uh, jobs steve so jobs. so so if i almost tony, said ashton kutcher <laughs> if, if tony stark if tony stark is steve jobs and rampages bill gates then that was him he was just a poor or less cool tony stark who came up with his own suit of armor and quickly got the shit beaten out of him by uh the champions who as everyone would call them a b-list superhero team and he spent some time in jail and has basically not been seen since so now what you find is that uh we flip the page and we're in like this little tokyo diorama that you know sees all these little like Iron Man Funko Pops come to life. And we see Rampage in this giant mechanical monster suit. And he's basically like, he's, he's just fucking around. He's created this whole little city of little Iron Man things that talk. And he's just going after them. He's like a kid in a candy shop. And, um, you know, the Punisher uh, is lurking, um, you know, through the through the top glass of this window since they're in this giant uh, warehouse. And Rampage is like, "Uh, you know, I think I see somebody there. So he sends his little Iron Man minions to go, like, jump up and pull him through the glass. And he's like, kill him, kill him, my awful little men. And they're just like, you know, ripping apart his clothes and beating the shit out of him. It's actually kind of funny if you see it at this point, um, you know. Clark walks over with his giant monster mech thing. And he's like, why are you dressed like the Punisher? And Frank is like, cause I am the Punisher and I'm here to kill you. And you know, Clark is just like, he, he wants to, he wants to let him know that he, he is not fond of somebody just trying to kill him. So he says, what for escaping the raft? I survived the raft. I'm not going back. Besides, I thought you only kill. I thought you only went after killers since, since winter, since winter lawbreakers, your raison d'etre, which I, it's French for like, I'll, I don't know what the fuck that means. That means like your, uh, your modus operandi. No, not, not modus operandi. I'm just trying to use another, another, yeah. another highfalutin sophistic, uh, phrase. Uh, it's like your reason for existing sort of. Yeah. So the Punisher responds and he's like, you've enabled number of psychopaths to escape or upgrade to to uh, declare war on good guys. And now normal people that didn't want anything to do with you are getting killed. So Clark gets pissed off again. He's like, say that again. That's Tony Stark behind all this. Not me. How dare you imply? And he just kind of, you know, calms down because he's like, I, this is my chance. Instead of beating the shit out of him with my little Funko pop, Iron Man minion things. I'm going to lecture him a little bit. Tony Stark of all the insulting, uh, Cretans comparing me to that wet brain gin junkie. Trust me, it's Tony Stark behind it, playing both ends. Tony Stark is busting guys out to hunt people down who disagree with him. And he's probably behind Electro springing us all from the raft. So basically, what he just alluded to was a time that Electro uh, had basically gone to the raft where you have a bunch of giant super superhuman wards and stuff. And... um, he, he basically broke them out. So that's what allowed Frank to escape. That's what allowed um, Stuart Clark and K rampage to escape and all these other guys. So basically like, you know, 
Clark is not your typical, like, I want to take over the world villain. He wanted to do some evil shit, but he's not like a serial killing pedophile rapist or anything like that. So basically, he's like, you know, I want to I want to actually do something that's good for the world. I actually want to, you know, in a way, try and build up my reputation again. So long story short, him and the Punisher start teaming up, which is funny because that's just what Stiltman was describing. Oh, isn't this how it happens? You start you start off fighting and then you become a super team. So, you know, it didn't work out as well for Stiltman. He got his dick blown off and shot in the face. But, you know, it worked out a little better here for for old Stu. I think Frank has gotten to the point where he realizes that, you know, I, I can't just keep putting shit on my MasterCard. I actually have to start, you know, getting somebody to help me compete with credit? all these guys. How does he get credit, but the Falcon can't get a loan? I don't <laughs> the Falcon know. Can't even get a loan. Renowned hero. The Falcon can't even get a loan. Whatever. Remember that time. Remember that time we brought everyone back from the snap and you won't give me a small business loan. <laughs> yeah. So basically Frank is like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go ahead and team up with this guy. Frank and Stu. I'm waiting for that miniseries. <laughs> the old, the Frank and Stu series coming soon to Disney plus. Anyway, we're at the shield morgue on the helicarrier Pericles three and uh, GW bridge is trying to do a little investigation as to what's going on, who Frank is going after. And he sees stilt man, you know, dead dickless. And he's trying to figure out where he's getting his tech and stuff. So then they're like, Oh, you know, it's the tinker. We got to go after uh, Phineas Mason, the tinker. When we discover that, Oh, um, he actually like, is dead now because after he got paralyzed, he shortly died. So now GW bridge is like, Oh, what the fuck is happening? There's a pretty high body count in just this first issue. Yeah. So at this point, uh, now we go on to, to a pretty long monologue of the Punisher, just basically saying, you know, now is his time to go ahead and take out as many of these bad guys as possible, especially while shield is going after him, which is a bad, which is a waste of their time. And, uh, the superheroes are all fighting. So he's going around just, you know, like fighting looters and shit like that. When suddenly, um, he's, he's running around and he sees that Spider-Man who at this stage in civil war is on team, Iron Man is getting the shit beaten out of him by uh, a guy named Jester and uh, Jack-O-Lantern. Now, th- this actually leads into another episode we did with uh, Ghost Rider way on your back. You can, do, you can go ahead and listen to Ghost Rider and Sleepy Hollow learn what, what happened after this. But basically, he's like, Spider-Man, ah, you know, I should I should do something. Actually, I'm I'm going to save him. So he decides to actually save him. And he's taking a stance in the civil war as a result of that. And he shoots jack-o'-lantern in the fucking head. And then he mows down the other dude, Jester, whatever the fuck his name is. And he's just like filling him with lead. It's, it's freaking awesome. At this point, um, you know, Spider-Man is delirious. He's had the shit beaten out of him. He's freaking out. All right. So I need to stop you. So what is the deal with this Spider-Man? Is this Spider-Man and why does he this look is like Spider-Man? That? So Spider-Man was wearing a suit. This is kind of like what we saw in the films. This is Peter Parker Spider-Man. This is Peter Parker Spider-Man wearing the okay. Iron Spider suit provided um, to him by Tony Stark. So at the beginning of the superhero Civil War, he was on Team Iron Man. After this, he would go ahead and join Team Captain America because stuff ensued. Right. This is why he refers himself, even when he's in the Spidey costume later on, the real one, as Peter Parker as Parker, because yep. he has revealed him his identity in support of the superhero registration act. Yep. Which, which is a whole thing, which we're not going to even talk about how that no, that's, that's a whole mess. So basically like, 
Spider-Man needs help. He has his shit kicked in and he saw two guys get murdered. So uh, Punisher's basically carrying him to safety. And then at this point, you know, GW bridge is like, I quit like this. This stuff is like fucking ridiculous. We're never going to go ahead and find castle. You know, at this point, we see where the Punisher has taken him. He's taken to him well, to Brid- Cap- Bridge pulls a baller move here because he quits. But then he says, I'm just quitting because, you know, she- shield holds me back too much. Like, you guys have too many rules. I can't capture. I can't get to the Punisher with, you know, being constrained this way. And he immediately spins that into getting hired as a freelancer. Probably, presumably, it seems from what Tidwell says, for more pay and less rules. So good move, GW. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, now because I was going to spend later, but that's better. So anyway, yeah, now he's basically like, you know what? I got to do this my way. So the issue ends with us seeing that the Punisher has taken a wounded Spider-Man to Captain America's underground lair. And that is where this issue leaves off. Mark, what'd you think of issue one of Punisher War Journal so far? You know, before I even turn the page, uh, unlike you, I noticed who the writer was. I knew it was Matt Fa- Fraction. I have enjoyed pretty much everything that he's done that I've read. I just really enjoy his style. Uh, so I knew I would I would enjoy it on, on some level. But man, this really uh, this really you know knocked me for a loop. I was even again even knowing it's a Punisher book, uh, I even I was shocked and appalled by some of the actions that he took. Whether it was uh, you know shooting Stiltman in the dick, who was just trying to be his buddy, and then shooting him in the face, or the way he just blows uh, blows. Is it Jack? Is it Jack O'Lantern? Right, Jack O'Lantern's uh, head off, and mm-hmm. yeah, this is a, a Frank Castle who uh, has seemingly—I mean, he's always had no fucks to give to an extent, but he—he's really on a mission now, which I guess he always is, but maybe even more so than normal. Yeah, but but you know, like all these other people who he has happened to kill, who want to turn over, uh, you know, a, a lead lead to goodness uh the punisher is starting to realize that he kind of needs to have allies in this new world especially as all the heroes are fighting so now we're on to issue two and we see that captain america is giving old frank a lecture but instead of saying hey thanks for bringing spider-man here i guess he's on our side now he goes ahead and straps up the punisher to like this this uh the series of belts that are basically you know keeping him hostage basically because just because he's here doesn't mean that captain america wants anything to do with him why because the Punisher has no rules. The Punisher has no boundaries. The Punisher literally fucking kills people. And Captain America is not about to have this guy on his team during a civil war where he wants to win the hearts and minds of people. So they're having this talk going back and forth. And, you know, the Punisher is basically like, you want to talk about, you know, going outside the boundaries and stuff, Cap? Like, look what you're doing, man. And Captain America is like, no, but I still have my boundaries. And they, they just keep lecturing each other. And at this point, you know, the Punisher is like, it's, you know, uh, it, uh, Captain America is like, it's not that black and white, Frank. And Frank Castle responds. He's like, no, sir, it's not that red, white and blue. No disrespect. Somehow he's able to get out of those constraints. And um, he's like, look, we can go ahead and get me into custody. After last time, it'll take more than a riot to bust me out of Rikers. And uh, Captain America is like, who said anything about custody? And then he completely changes his tone. He's like, I need you, Frank. I need you to serve your country as a soldier in my army under my command. So while this is happening, you've got uh, Patriot, Young Vision, Hulkling, and Luke Cage trying to listen in, trying to understand, you know, what's, what are they talking about? What's going on back there? And then suddenly um, we see Captain America punch the Punisher through a freaking cement wall. And he does it in front of everyone. 
So at this point, he walks out and he's like, troops, listen up. The difference between you and us, Castle, is the sense of patriotism and duty has made us uh, these criminals. You're a mad dog gone feral, but I don't have the luxury of losing you, so you're muzzled. If you stay, you use non-lethal and anti-personnel weapons only, or you get the hell out. So basically, everyone is freaking out now. They're like, Cap, wake up. This guy's a killer. But Cap is like, listen, we've, uh, we've, we've, got, we've got shit to do, so at this point... You know, even though he got punched through a wall, the Punisher is happy to basically be accepted by Captain America. What do you think of those first couple pages? Uh, I enjoyed it. We got quite the the ragtag crew here with uh, Vision, Hulkling, Cage, uh, Justice. But I guess that's what a civil war will do to bring a, an odd group together. Uh, you know who I always hate for no real reason is Hulkling. I, I think the reason that I hate this character is that he's called Hulkling. I really hate that name, particularly because he has nothing to do with the Hulk at all. Yeah. Which is I mean, a little bit of a side rant to, uh, you know, the question at hand here, but, uh, it just, it just bothers me. I don't know why he was always a hodgepodge character. What? I don't even know his origin. Is he just an alien or something? It's stupid. Okay, I'll say that. That's a whole other thing. We'll cover young Avengers later. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but anyway, we see that GW bridge now doing his own thing, uh, is stalking, um, the next person on his list that he thinks is connected to the Punisher, he's stalking uh, Stuart Clark Rampage, who is now teamed up with the Punisher. And, but we see that Clark also knows what's going on. He knows he's being uh, followed, but he's trying to buy time. So him with his little Iron Man Funko Pop minions, they're working on this project while, um, you know, Cage, I'm sorry, while uh, Frank Castle is out doing his own thing. And what we see is he opens up this closet and it has like part of an Iron Man suit. So we know that Clark is definitely up to something right now in his plot with Frank. So um, the next page goes to uh, basically a montage of Frank Castle fighting alongside with Cap's heroes. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going after S.H.I.E.L.D. guys. They're going after regular criminals. And it seems almost like, you know... Frank is really enjoying himself. I love seeing, I love seeing Cap uh, punching out shield agents. It's pretty epic. Just, yeah, sends a shiver down my spine. Yeah, so, you know, it seems like Cap and Frank are actually, like, you know, doing pretty well. And at one point, you see them buddy standing. Cops here. They're buddy cops. Yeah, you, you see them, uh, you know, standing on a rooftop, and uh, Frank Castle's holding uh, Scarecrow. And I know you're thinking, Scarecrow? Well, is that the DC Scarecrow? Basically... They is basically, he called, he's, not, he's, he he's called, Scarecrow he's called Scarecrow. Cause I guess you can't quite copyright that or trademark. I, that. I, I guess word. so. So Marvel literally made their own version of Scarecrow, which is basically literally it's Scarecrow. Same and it's, look and name. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just run with it. Be with us in the moment. Um, so he's trying to get information out of him and suddenly molten man, um, jumps out and I guess he's going to come and try and save Scarecrow or something. But Captain America is like, Oh, that's Mark Raxton. He's not a bad guy, bad guy type of dude. I mean, he could be here because shield is using him as a trap. So Captain America and the Punisher jump down and they're, they're going up against a molten man. At this point, they realize that it actually was a, uh, a, a trap. So, you know, uh, at one point, Captain America is almost caught and Frank Castle protects him. And as they, uh, you know, quickly freeze Molten Man, because, of course, you know, Punisher has his own Batman belt. Uh, they jump into the sewer and suddenly Captain America looks at him. And he's like, good work, soldier. Move out. So things are actually working out pretty well. 
Meanwhile, Stuart Clark is still in the apartment that's being under the supervision of GW Bridge. And the Punisher comes in and he looks and sees that uh, the Punisher has actually been creating a whole bunch of tools for him, especially now as he's going toe to toe with all these guys. So while GW Bridge is watching him, the Punisher is just moving in and out of this apartment with all this shit that Clark has made him. And uh, no one's the wiser for it. So anyway, GW Bridge, all this is going on under his nose, and uh, it's it's pretty funny to see. So now we're back at the underground layer, and we see that um, you know Cap has been introduced to a bunch of old supervillains who were all like, "Listen, man, like we're we're scared of all this shit happening, and if we're gonna end up fighting somebody, we want to fight with you because at least you know you're giving us a chance to be free in some." way and captain america um you know he seems to be recruiting just about anybody these days and it's diamondback and I, i'm not sure who the other guy is he's got a he looks pretty he looks, he looks like a luchador he's a super villain yeah it's like a luchador yeah. so at this so at this kind of looks like mark grayson's dad from invincible if he was wearing a luchador costume more like a porn star it's like that iraqi mustache like we talked about <laughs> with our our uh, patron jacob the other day who said all the comic books from iraq are are just like the u.s versions only all the heroes have mustaches because it's a manly thing to do there. And people with mustaches die. As we're about to see, the Punisher walks in. He's like, nope, no deals ever. And he goes on to shoot all the villains in front of Captain America. He just lights them right yeah, up. I mean, it's just lights them up. It's a it's it's a big it's a big scene. So Captain America loses his shit. He lunges after him and he just starts beating the shit out of him. And Frank is like, you, you lie down with dogs. You get up with fleas cap. What are you waiting for? I disobeyed a direct order. So punish me. And that's where issue two ends. <laughs> I, I knew I would like this. I knew that it would be done in some, in, in ways that really captured me. Cause I mean, this is what all of Matt fractions work and works end up doing for me. But I, I, no matter how much I think I've seen, the Punisher become extreme. I've seen him shoot off Siltman's dick. I've seen him blow up uh, <laughs> Jack-O-Lantern's head. I, he still continues to shock me with the level of violence and the lack of hesitation to participate in violence when he feels he is doing the right thing. But he is principled. He has principles that are kind of skewed, but he really, as we'll see kind of in this next issue, he really does have principles that he sticks to. Like, wait, though, but is it the Punisher teaming up with the villain? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. So I'm not saying he has consistency in his principles, but, but in his own mind, yeah, I don't know. You're right. I should, talk, I should stop trying to defend this guy. It's a dark, dark Marvel universe period we're in. Uh, anyway, issue three starts with a flashback to um, the Punisher when he was going through boot camp at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and Captain America is there to teach them combatives. And, um, you know, he just kind of says, oh, you know, this is kind of like that time. And as we jump back to the present, we see Captain America beating the shit out of Frank right now. And at this point, uh, you know, Frank is still trying to justify himself. And he's like, and, and maybe this will explain more as to why it's okay for him to team up with Stuart Clark, you know, Rampage and why Cap going with those guys is wrong. But he's like, you know, they were bad guys, Cap, killers and thieves. And Cap is like, you think this is funny? And the Punisher is like, I'm pretty happy go. I'm a pretty happy go lucky guy, Cap. I like bacon with breakfast and supervillain psychos dropped like bad habits when they present themselves on silver platters. But you know me, people say I'm crazy. And at this point, Captain America just wants to go back and beat the shit out of him again. But all the other heroes are holding him back, and he's like, You belong in a cage. This is what I get for cutting a deal with an animal like you. And at this point, Luke Cage is like, Cap, like, what what, what deal are you talking about? And Cap said, I don't think we have the luxury of declining help, even from a killer. I made the only 
choice I could, Luke. You were right. Um, at this point, the Punisher's like, you know what? Why don't we just keep fighting? And uh, they end up beating the shit out of each other even more. And then we go back to this flashback of, you know, him and him as a young Marine and Captain America is just continuing to beat the shit out of him. And at this point, um, you know, he's just trying to remember everything that Cap taught him about fighting then. And as he's beaten him up, as he's humiliated him and everything else. And, um, you know, at this point, the Punisher just refuses to stay down. Cap picks him up by his collar in front of all his guys, emasculating him. And he's like, you want to do it. I can tell you want to do it, but you're holding back. Explain to your fellow Marine soldier. How are you being chicken to let me train you? Doesn't translate into you turning chicken when face to face with these fascists. And the Punisher is like, I have no problem going after the bad guys, sir. No problems at all. And at this point, Captain America tosses him down and kicks him. And he's like, you respect my uniform. Great. But if you can't see past the uniform to take a swing at me, then I can't make you into the lean, mean killing machine. These boys need you to be use your imagination, son, but get whatever you need to get back and start hitting me. And it's with that lesson that he learned all those years ago that, you know, he's, he's trying to remember now. And what he realizes is that he doesn't need to beat cap physically at this point, because that's not the battle. What he needs to do is he needs, to break everyone's trust in cap the man so he's he's allowing cap to just like bloody him in front of all the heroes until spider-man comes over and he's like cap like you know what's going on man and at this point you know everyone's just looking in horror and cap realizes shit like i've lost my ways so he walks away and uh at this point everyone is looking around and they're like um you know, what should we do with him? Well, what's Cap going to do? Turn him into the cops? Like, he, they, these are all, they're all vigilantes right now. Yeah. So anyway, at this point, uh, Sue Storm, the invisible girl, is like, what should we do? Should we, like, help him? Should we lock him up? And, you know, Luke Cage looks at her and he's like, let him go. We won't need, uh, we won't forget a beat. Uh, he won't forget a beat down from Captain America anytime soon. So it's like everyone's trying to, like, lick their chops. But they all know that Frank Castle is in some way right about the situation. Yeah, I, I, I once I got past the fact that it was seemed super contrived that Captain America, you know, at some point trained Frank Castle as part of, you know, some, I don't know, guest instructor day in the Marines or whatever it may have been. I, once I got past that, I really, really enjoyed that scene and the juxtaposition between Cap, uh, you know, beating up Frank when he was a soldier and beating up Frank now. And in both scenes, Frank just not flinching at all. And I really, I really love what Frank said to Captain America in the flashback scene where he said, you know, do whatever you got to do to get to get yourself to the place where you can hit me back. And and Castle just said, not against you, sir. Like he's just like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hit you. And he says the same thing to him basically uh, in the present. He's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not fighting back against you. So, so he even while he just killed these two guys brutally in absolute brutal executioner fashion, he still finds a way to, you know, he still is completely unwilling to even defend himself against Captain America. So he's in in this weird way, kind of maintaining his own high ground. He's just saying, I did what I had to do. They they were hand themselves on a silver platter. These are villains. These are murderers. They were going to turn their back on you guys. I just took care of the thing before it became a problem. So if you want to kick my ass, Captain America, I'm not going to stop you. It's brilliant. Brilliant psychology. Yeah, I mean, this is what I love about this whole series as a whole. Like, this is the smartest Punisher storytelling ever. And it it doesn't lose a beat. Some people criticized it when they uh, switched uh, artists and writers and stuff down the road. But, like, this this is probably the highlight of the Punisher as a character. Uh, 
Um, but anyway, we go back to Clark. He's in his apartment and who ends up walking in GW bridge and they have a little talk and bridge is basically trying to cut a deal off rampage because he understands, Hey man, you're supposed to be in the raft, but you're here, but it's okay because I know you've got info on the punisher and I'm willing to cut a deal if you help me. And rampage is just playing coy. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What if I do? What if I don't, well, should I be afraid of you or should I be afraid of Frank? So GW bridge walks out. He's like, fine, man, have it your way. You think he's gone until you start to realize that Clark knows what's about to happen. The shield troops are about to knock down his door and arrest him. So he goes back to that closet where he had that giant Iron Man chest piece. He puts it on and just as um, just as Bridge and the shield troops are about to break in, uh, Clark blasts the door with a unibeam. And at the same time, because it's just so like powerful, it blasts Clark out of the window which is pretty hilarious. He lands across the street at this point. You just see this like random little skinny guy. He's tossing it off. Everyone in this office complex is like, you know, freaking out. And he just walks away like, like nothing happened until uh, later you see the Punisher is recuperating and who ends up walking in and being the person to uh, help him out ends up being Clark. So at this point, um, you know, Clark has also managed to bring Frank to one of his safe houses where he's got all the guns, bombs and miraculous killing things that a Punisher could want. And at this point, um, you know, he's like, I got to do things my way and I'm going to do it without Cap and everyone else. And, uh, you know, he, he goes on to another monologue about this being his war, this being about what he has to do. You see him fighting. um uh, fighting Rhino, it gets to the point where, you know, you're like, how's the Punisher going to fight Rhino? And at this point, you really begin to see that, yeah, this this new team between Clark and the Punisher is a real deal. So not only does he have this giant bazooka-like, you know, rocket launcher. It looks launcher, like the same gun that he used to uh, shoot to off, off uh, Silkman's dick. dick. Yeah. So he shoots off Rhino's horn, and instead of... Um, you know, murdering him while Rhino is down. He wants to go ahead and send a message. So he puts on this giant metal fucking glove and it's called Satan claw. And he ends up using it to beat the living shit out of Rhino. And he's like, what do you want, man? Like, why aren't you killing me? And I mean, like, you're supposed to be dead. Why, why, why are you here? What's going on? So the Punisher looks at him and he's, he's threatening to punch him again. He's like, do I look dead to you? Tell everybody, you know, tell every maggot and every worm you run with. Tell them I'm back. And at this point, uh, it closes with Bridge. He's humiliated. He's got bandage around his head. He's back in the mosque praying. And uh, that's where this arc basically finishes yeah a little bit of a a, a flat or awkward ending i mean this is not really the full end to a story because this is just the beginning of matt fraction's arc but uh this issue just did kind of end with with uh george w bridge just kind of uh downtrodden and and praying to allah and uh you know trying to to sort of uh you know find his soul after uh, after his, his failure to capture frank castle yeah but we're not done yet we've got an epilogue that comes in issue four uh, this one starts a little bit differently. We've got now, we a, do switch the artist here. I'm going to point out, and who do we switch the artist to? Our buddy from the last episode, Mike Diodato. Mike Diodato. Still, I think this is this is actually one of my favorite thing, one of my favorite issues he's done. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, basically, we're at the bar with no name. It's the big supervillain bar in New York. And what we find is that the armadillo has walked in uh, into the bar. And what they're doing is they're holding a wake 
for Stiltman. I love this. I love how Stiltman is laid out across like three pool tables with his stilt legs put back, put back on. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny, and we see who you know. Do you think this is the actual Stiltman body that they put back together just for this? Open, well, you see his real face. You see his real yeah. face. They, they. Uh, we saw him like we saw him in that morgue, like all, all you know. Maybe the next of kin came. Perhaps yes, but either way. Yeah. So he he goes ahead and walks over to Prowler, and basically it's all Stiltman's other B-listed friends. And at one point, uh, Doctor Doom, I guess, was invited, but he didn't bother coming, so he sent a Doom bot. So they're all just kind of awkwardly hanging around this doom bot and the doom bot is like like my favorite character doom regrets he cannot attend services for our fallen brother and villainy please accept this doom bot in his absence (laughs) in his absence so yeah it's from this point on he only has one thing to say and that is kneel before doom (laughs) but anyway you've got um you've got all the uh um you've got all the other b-listers there you've got eel you've got man dragon you've got rhino who's still a little bit pissed off you've got a guy called so i guess frank despaired rhino's life just gave him a good oh yeah because he, he did because he wanted people to tell he wanted everyone him to tell everyone that punisher is back and he has the weapons now so watch out yeah so now they're all you know it's it's all these b-listers you've got gibbon you've got chameleon you've got just basically no, nobody who is really a, a real like threat to society and they're all crying because they're like you know it's one thing to be a bad guy and you know we used to go to jail and accept our losses but like the punisher's actually killing people what the fuck so it's it's kind of funny to see these villains in this uh in this like you know real vulnerable state at this point while everyone's crying while everyone's freaking out about the punisher having killed their friend we see the person who probably facilitated getting the body back walk into the room we see Stiltman's wife I have no clue who wow. I, I have no clue what her name is except uh oh Pri- uh, Princess Python Princess Python and Princess Python is like the Jessica Rabbit in this situation. We're wondering how a dork like Stiltman can land a hot wife like that, and she's getting all the looks. Uh, deservedly so. I have never seen this character before, and um, you know, I'm a forty, almost forty one year old man, Remzo. So I'm just gonna. I'm just going to leave it right here. Yeah. <laughs> so basically 41 year old married man. I shouldn't be even thinking these things, but here I am. It's a fictional character, but just like all these fictional characters, they do have feelings. They have, they care to a degree. We see that Gibbon is, uh, you know, crying and he's, you know, he's just wondering what the hell is going on. And he's like, nobody ever asked the question really. Jesus, look at all these people. I mean, I know I'm a loser and everything. I just, do you think a guy like me could ever have a wake like this? So he's really you know, everyone's having have an existential crisis. So Princess Python comes over and she's like, bartender, let me buy you a drink. And she's looking at Gibbon and, um, you know, they she ends up, you know, instead of crying at the wake, she ends up wanting to dance with him. So they're, they're all trying to have a party. Prowler and the other B-list villains are having a beer with the Doom bot who can only say kneel before Doom. So as they're toasting their friend and reminiscing on the good old days and everything else, everyone starts to liven the move up a little bit when suddenly, um, you know, we see Rhino. He's he's in a wheelchair and he's getting into a fight with Armadillo and everything everything and you know armadillo's like you know what man I'm, I'm sorry and i know you're drunk and i'm gonna let this slide we let's just not fight here so rhino still ends up fighting they all end up like ruining the situation
situation. So then all the villains start fighting basically everybody. And it's it's turned into a giant messy bar scene when finally somebody ends up causing the whole thing to end. And who shows up? Spider-Man. And he walks in. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. At his wake, guys, at his wake. Nice, guys, really. And at this point, Spider-Man is really here to pay his respect because, you know, he knows that Stiltman tried to be a good guy. So uh, Princess Python comes over and she's drunk and she's slurring her words and yelling at him and everything. And eventually she stops and she pukes in front of him. So, you know, Spider-Man is like, he, he all can be better. And uh, at this point, he swings away after paying his respects. And, you know, all the all the villains are like, you know what? We can all be better. We can all be, you know, real villains if we're together and we can be evil again and everything else. When things get kind of weird and everyone starts coughing and puking and everyone's like dying all of a sudden. And then, you know. Prowler goes over and he says, he's like, wait, where's the bartender? And on the napkin, you see someone drew a little skull there. And the thing about the bartender is he had a mustache and the mustache was a fake mustache, which is attached to the napkin. Basically what the The Iraqis would not be happy that that was a fake mustache. They would not be happy. So basically what you learn is that the bartender this whole time was the punisher. He poisoned everyone's alcohol and then he filmed the, he filled the room with kerosene and blows it up and and the and the whole so issue ends. Dead? Well, I mean, some some are, some aren't. But anyway, the scene because ends. Kinda. The scene ends with the Punisher being a badass walking away from the explosion, and that's the end of the issue. I, I love that in this entire Punisher issue, you only. Well, I guess you do actually technically see him see him when he's the bartender, um, which I didn't actually pick up the first time. You, you, that actually makes sense. I didn't I didn't realize that, but that makes perfect sense actually. And uh, yeah, and is this on this last panel of just him? walking away from the exploding bar where he has just apparently murdered a whole bunch of people who were just trying to celebrate their friend. Like Frank Castle is a piece of shit. Uh, you asked me in the beginning, is he a hero or an anti-hero? I'm not even sure he's an anti-hero in this. Like in some ways, I don't know. It's like, in some ways he seems like he has this, this unbreakable dignity. Like when Captain America is beating him up and he just will not let, you know, lift a finger to defend himself and at the same time. He's just a cruel bastard who is just out to get everybody if who's ever committed a crime or ever put on a, a costume and robbed a bank. And yeah, he's, he's just brutal here. And, uh, it's 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 a it's a really enjoyable take on this character. Uh, I know that the Punisher has always been known for his lack of regard for decency and uh, his his willingness to brutalize his enemies. But as far as I know, like historically, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think a lot of Punisher's villains, a lot of the people that he goes after, were often like the non-powered, uh, you know, non-super super. He's a street level you know, guy. Street level guy. There you go. And I think most of these villains are, are kind of street level esque villains too, but he just seems to be going on a rampage and trying to take out anyone who's ever worn a freaking cape. And and like I said, anyone who's ever worn a cape or robbed the bank, you are now a target of the Punisher. Absolutely. So uh, I think that caps it off. You want to go ahead and go jump into the ratings? I would love to. Yes. Uh, this was a pleasant surprise. This was not actually the story we planned on doing today. We made a, a last minute switch because the one that we looked at was just, just too long to do <laughs> right now. But uh, I'm, I was really pleasantly surprised by this, uh, by the story. Uh, like I said, I, I really enjoyed Matt Castle's work wherever I have read it. Uh, his Hawkeye Matt run is, is fantastic. Yeah. Matt Fraction. What did I say? Matt Castle. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what Mad Fraction uh, combined with Frank Castle. Uh, yeah, he also has a great run on FF, not to be confused with um, with uh, Fantastic Four, but FF. He had an FF run, and uh, yeah, I just, I just think he's a really great superhero character writer. He really is able to. His Iron Man run is my favorite. I have not read that one. So oh, it's add awesome. That, add that to the old list, or you can add it to the list I, of episodes. I, I, oh, I, I can think of the perfect run. I can think of the perfect okay. run. All right, well, I'm ready for it. But yeah, this was, uh, I, I really enjoyed the writing. Um, and man, yeah, like, like this really sh- shows the Punisher at, in a really, I don't know, in, in ways in a brutal light, and, and in, but in other ways in kind of a nuanced light. Because again, like I said, he has these like these elements of dignity about them, about him, about the way he goes about things. He's like Tupac. He's the warrior poet. Yeah, uh, I, guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. Um, so yeah, I, I did enjoy the book a lot. Um, I'm going to give the writing a four. You know, it's not mind blowing, but it's very good. Uh, I would say it's just very good uh, writing with with really nuanced, interesting character developments. Nothing feels bland. Nothing feels stale. This whole time so i'm gonna give the writing a four out of five and i will say there's we had mike diodato at the end and i, I really did like mike, mike diodato's work here as you mentioned as well uh drawing all these various super villains i like his art here a lot better than this is like what eight years earlier yeah a lot better than i liked his art in um in secret not secret art in original sin yeah i feel like he didn't rush this one whereas i my criticism for his original sin artwork which we did last week was that i felt rushed well, it probably was because I think that book, that main series book, came out like every two weeks or something. So he probably was rushed on, on that book. Uh, yeah, no, he he really, uh, you can tell, like he really pays attention to detail here, like all the scenes uh, with all these villains in the bar. Uh, I mean, it's it's really, I'm not going to call him George Perez or anything, but he's, he's pretty, does a pretty good job at drawing uh, in pretty fine detail a lot of different characters at once. Uh, but the, he only did the one episode, uh, one episode, one issue. Um, but uh, before that, we had, let's see, Ariel. I want to. Am I getting this right? Out, Ariel Oliveira. And I got to say, we didn't really talk about the art in the first three issues too much, but I really enjoyed his art as well. Or is it a her? I'm not actually sure. It's a guy. I have no idea. It's a it's dude. A okay. It's well, a bro. It is, I really enjoyed their art. It kind of reminded me, who was the artist on Secret War? Nick Fury's Secret War. Because his art made me reminisce about that art. It's not the, it's, it's not as good. Gabrielle Delato. It's, it felt similar to me. It felt like a almost, I don't want to say poor man's, but I will say it, it felt kind of like a poor man's. It, it felt similar in style to that, but not, not quite at that, that level of quality. That, that's how, that's my, the best way I could describe it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the art in those first three issues too. Not as good as I did in, in this as the Mike Diodato's here. So I would call like Mike Diodato's art like a four and I would call, um, Ariel's like a three and a half. So I don't think that four and one issue is enough to pull it all the way up to the four. And I'm not going to get into 3.75. That, that's too much. So I, I am just going to give the art an overall 3.5, which I still feel is pretty fair. That brings this little this little arc here to a total score of 7.5 to me, which is pretty darn good. I, I agree. And, uh, you know, my score is not going to be too off. Every week I basically am like a broken record. I'm going to say it again. My big... Uh, criticisms when it comes to story is 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 this good for new readers and is this good for old readers for old readers especially during the civil war era this was actually one of my favorite civil war crossovers but for new readers who wanted to come in issue one and have a clean start you didn't really get that but the story introduces you to new characters well you know as new as they can be gw bridge and Stuart clark rampage and you get to see a lot of others like captain america and spider-man jump in um i really do like the fact that as the war journal aspect really plays in this is really a book 
book where you really get to jump into Frank Castle's inner monologues, which we didn't go into too much because it could go on for pages. But I highly recommend picking this up. And that last um, kind of epilogue issue, the Civil War, the Death Stilt Man, um, you know, Awake for a Tall Man, as that issue was actually titled. Uh, it, it's one of my, it's. I think it's one of like the f- the funniest filler issues ever published. So I'm I'm giving this. It's smart. It's violent. It sets up a great tone for the series. I'm giving it a four. And then for the artwork, it's basically the same thing. I mean, I do love seeing Stoltman get his dick shot off, but um, you know, it's it's always a little bit uh, difficult to judge how you're going to do this, especially when you switch artists during the story. So like you, I'm going to give it a three point five for 7.5 so this way we have a total spc score of 15 out of 20 which is pretty good that's definitely a recommend you know absolutely not quite a you must read this before you die level but it's definitely a recommend if you want to read a punisher book i feel like this is the perfect punisher book to start off yeah it's not too bad of an introduction to the character i mean i know there's some classic punisher stuff from the 80s Uh, i know frank miller had a a run that i definitely want to check out at some point but i i can't say that this is a, a, a terrible introduction to the character no no well, that's all I got. You think you'll... You- and I, I will say, it looks to me like Matt Fraction does six more issues of this run. So I think... I don't make any promises. Would you finish? Would you finish this? I, I think I'm going to, actually. I, there's only only six more issues left of, of just the Fraction portion of this run. I don't know if... I don't think I'll finish the it, entire it gets, I can tell you, it gets really good during the remainder of his run. You know what's interesting? Just go running through the credits here. It looks like Frank, uh, that Matt Fraction comes back for the last issue, issue number 26. So mm-hmm. don't make me... Don't, I don't want to read the whole run, but we'll see. I, I think I will at least read the 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 you know the Matt Fraction portion of this um, just to see where it goes. Oh, especially as they go into the aftermath of Civil War. It does seem like you know he actually does go beyond issue ten, so maybe he just had to fill in writer here and there. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not making any promises, but uh, if I do go deeper on this one, it is a candidate for one of our Patreon shows uh, called Claire Continues when I continue with books we've talked about. So keep an eye out for that. Well, that's all I've got, Mark. That's all I've got. I think we've done enough shilling today, so I think we can get right to wrapping this up and asking everyone to please just do one thing for us, and that is read comics. Change the world! Good night, America. Adios. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. 
GLN's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.